Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Yesterday, I was talking to my bond salesman. Yeah, a guy that I buy my bonds from. And I said, waiter, could I have another cup of coffee? I, I'm, okay, I kid. But the way this market is, the downgrading of, of U.S. debt, gasoline prices pushing $4 a gallon. I thought to myself, who can I have on to kick off this show that knows more about the economy than this guy, Stephen Moore. You know him, you love him, and he's on the program. Steve is the senior economist at the FreedomWorks folk, uh, FreedomWorks Foundation. He also was an advisor to President Trump when we passed the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. I was in Congress then. It was a very important piece of legislation. Was nominated to be a Federal Reserve governor. Couldn't have been a better guy. We'll get into that as well. But Steve and I go back a long ways, and it's great to have him kick off the program today. Steve, how are you? Hey, Jason. Great to hear your voice again. I'm doing uh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm not so sure the country's doing so well, but <laughs> I'm doing just fine. You know, the, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, as we talked about, is this notion of a Bidenomic soft landing. And this kind of goes into that Phillips curve mentality that, well, all economic growth comes from monetary stimulus. And if you can just manage the money supply the right way, why you can pump up the economy and then you can sort of rein it back in softly and have a soft landing. And everybody from the front page of the Wall Street Journal to the New York Times, oh, yes, we're having a soft landing. That's right. Inflation is coming down. And I'm looking at the price of gasoline. I'm looking at the price of homes. I'm looking at the price of used cars. And I don't know where they're getting their inflation uh, inflation indexes from, but it's not not there. Yeah, so uh, you're exactly right. And and they they believe in two ways of stimulating the economy. And I'm using air quotes around stimulate. They number one, they believe that printing money creates prosperity. Boy, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if that were true? Then you know Zimbabwe would be the richest country in the world, and yeah. and uh, and what what it would be so wonderful. It was so easy. All we had to do is just uh, rev up the printing process. And they also believe that having the government massively spend and borrow money stimulates the economy. Of course, that didn't work so well in the 1930s. It hasn't. It didn't work too well for Jimmy right. Carter, and it's not working too well for Joe Biden. Um, the economy is doing a little bit better. Inflation has come down, but it's still. By the way, Biden said something that was uh, a typical, um, you know, lie by Biden. He said prices are falling. No, prices aren't falling, Jason. Yeah. Just the rate of increase in the prices has slowed down. But you're right; the prices are starting to rise again. Look, we're looking at four dollar a gallon gasoline again. It was two forty nine a gallon when Trump left office. Um, I would rate this economy as a C minus right now. We should be booming because COVID ended two years ago. And when you come out of a crisis, you should be booming. So um, the most important statistic of all, though, to me, and the reason I think that Biden is toast if he runs for reelection, is that the average American today is $5,000 poorer than the average American family was when uh, Trump left office. And that's because inflation has been so high, people's paychecks are not keeping pace with the higher cost of living. 
You know, when I was on the, the budget committee in Congress, our annual federal budget, entitlements and discretionary yep. spending, was about $4.1 trillion. Yep. That was 2018. It is now, now, we're, now, it we're, is now, now we're over $6, $6 trillion. trillion. Yeah. You know what happened, Jason? And this is really, you know, almost criminally uh, financially negligent. We had COVID. We very stupidly, well, we made the greatest mistake, and I believe in the last hundred years as a country, when we shut down the American right. economy and shut down our schools and our businesses and churches. I hope we never, never do that again. I hope we've learned the lesson of what a catastrophe that was. It did not save lives, by the way. You know, did you know that, Jason? Uh, there's no evidence that shut down lockdowns. Well, that's lives. not what Andy Slavitt was telling Facebook. What's that? I say that's not what Andy Slabbit was telling Facebook. The uh, Biden COVID czar, the architect of Obamacare, by the way, Andy Slabbit was telling Facebook, "You, no, 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 you, you, you censor anybody that says this lockdown isn't working." No, lockdowns were a catastrophe. We yeah. we did all the cross. It's a great experiment, actually, because we have fifty states, and and we know which states locked down, and we know which states didn't lock down, and the death rates were no different in states that locked down versus states that did lock down, but there was a big, big difference in the economic performance of those states. So states like New York and Connecticut and New Jersey and California, uh, my home state of Illinois and Minnesota, crashed their economies, and states like Florida and Utah and Idaho and uh, South Carolina did very well. So lockdowns were a complete catastrophe. And you know who lockdowns hurt the most by far? Well, young people in general, I can tell you that. Yeah, we, 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 this was the greatest episode of child abuse in the history of the United States. Was, yeah, it really a lot was. of kids lost in a year and a half of schooling. We told them to, we put them in solitary confinement with social media. Yep. And I, I couldn't yep. think of a more greater example of abuse. But, but you're quite right. Then they use this as an excuse to have a stimulus plan that would make FDR blush. Yeah. And and now that rippled through the economy with a few supply chain crises because we farmed out everything to China. And all of a sudden we had 10 percent inflation, probably higher than that. But yep. to your point, that has not gone away. That impulse exactly. of money, that, that injection of money has permanently raised prices. That's right. And that's the point I was getting to. And, in, you know, you you led me right to it. So we spent about an extra two trillion dollars when the economy was shut down. And guess what? That became part of the permanent baseline of spending. So right. when you were in Congress, we we're spending four trillion, which is way too much, and now we're spending six trillion. And and I'm with people like Rand Paul and said, "Hey, you want to balance the budget? It's really easy. Why don't we just go to back to the budgets we had pre-COVID? And if, right. you know, if we just went back to the 2019 baseline of spending, we wouldn't have a budget deficit today." Well, they ex- look, they exploited COVID, and, and let's be yeah. blunt about this. They exploited yeah. it to, to run a trial on total yeah. command and control and to spend more money to buy votes, and that's what they do. And, and these are the same people now that have indicted Trump, so it ought to be a lesson uh, for folks. But the, the, what's missing from the economy is, as you point out correctly, if you've got a massive monetary stimulus it's going to bid up prices it isn't just going to bid up however all prices equally and this is where they all miss it to me well look at the cpi now first of all the cpi is horribly miscalculated but above and beyond that that's a generalized price figure but look at housing look at used cars look at gasoline you have these asset bubbles that have priced young people out of the american dream 
permanently, maybe. Yep, uh, that's right. And prices are starting to rise again. Um, so there was a brief respite, but they're going back up again because we flushed so much money into the economy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and look, you—it's as—it's as obvious uh, and predictable as the sun coming up in the east and rise and falling in the west that you're going if you spend and borrow six trillion dollars as biden has <laughs> that's going to cause inflation but incidentally there were nine nobel prize economists jason you'll get a kick out of this nine nobel prize economists who a year and a half ago said don't worry biden's massive spending and borrowing trend uh, plan and the trillions of dollars will not cause inflation yeah right don't exactly you think they should give their phds back I think so, uh, indeed. And there's only one solution, hopefully, from a fiscal side, and that's to grow out of this stuff. But they've got their foot on the brakes when it comes to incentives for growth. We can talk a little bit about that, but I also want to talk about the Trump indictment. We're talking with Stephen Moore, economist at the FreedomWorks Foundation, but also he was the advisor to President Trump on all matters economic and helped shepherded the Tax Cut and Jobs Act through Congress when I was there. I want to get his take on this because he and I both have, have had an experience through how the left operates these days. We'll continue with Steve when we return right after this. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Okay, one more quick segment with our guest this half hour, Steve Moore, senior economist at FreedomWorks, former economic advisor to President Trump, and former nominee to the Federal Reserve. And nobody uh, should have been there more than Steve because he fundamentally understands that inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. And if that's the case, one way to fight inflation isn't just what the bond market likes by pumping up the money or retracting it is to grow out of the economy. Right. And but right now, Steve, under Biden, Bidenomics, we have disincentives for growth, disincentives for labor and capital. You you can't find help right now if you're an employer. Well, I mean, everything we're doing in Washington right now is exactly the wrong thing to do when it comes to the economy. So I could just take off three or four quick things. One is, you know, we so vastly expanded welfare benefits during COVID um, that yeah. people could literally make eighty to $100,000 a family and not work, nobody working a single hour with all the benefits. Now, How about work requirements for Medicaid and food stamps? That'd be a good start. Yeah. Uh, by the yeah. way, the Democrats fiercely resisted that during yeah. the debt uh, you know, negotiations. They don't want, I don't know why, but they don't want people may do you think jason you served in congress with these people do they want people to be dependent on government yes i mean they they want two things more than anything they want power and in order to get power they need dependence yeah i mean that's so sickening because you know being on welfare is no way to live i mean every single study shows that people who are working people are self-reliant 
are happier than people who are subservient to the government. And so it's, it's, it's just outrageous that, um, and you know, there's dignity in work. And it's the only people and productivity are the only way to grow an economy. So it's also anti-inflationary. Of course. And so you need to get we need more people working. We need them to be working more productively. So that's number one. Biden uh, loaded up on the uh, on the welfare benefits that keeps people from working. Second of all, his tax plan, which, thank God, is not passed. But if the Mm -hmm. Democrats run the table 2024, they will do this. He wants to raise the tax on investment and investment is the seed core corn of any growing economy, Um, he wants to raise that tax rate to 60 or 70 percent. You know, when you include the corporate tax, the dividend tax, the capital gains tax, the debt tax, all of the taxes, one after another. He actually wants to, did you know, Jason, he wants to tax unrealized capital gains. It's bizarre. He's got a farmer in North Carolina that maybe bought a plot of land for a quarter million dollars, and now maybe it's worth two million dollars. Well, I think his wealth taxes are unconstitutional. I I I do, too. But can you imagine if you put this in place, what would happen? The, the farmers would literally have to sell the farm to pay the taxes. Before it would be, it would be a, an estate tax for the living. <laughs> exactly, yeah. that's right. Exactly. So they want to do that. Of course, that you know, the, the, then in fact, I just talked to President Trump about this last week. I flew with him to Iowa, uh, and I'm still advising him on the economy. And I said, "What's the first thing you're going to do?" And he said, "I'm going to get us energy independent again, and energy yeah, right. dominant, and produce our oil and our gas and our coal and our nuclear power and everything we got." And we're not doing that right now. And now we're dependent on OPEC. And well, and, Biden's and, energy and, uh, Biden's energy advisor seems to be Greta Thunberg. And uh, as long as that's the case, <laughs> exactly. yeah. uh, no, I mean I, we we laugh about it, but this is costing us jobs. It's here's the thing: we're two million barrels a day. Uh, below where we were with, uh, uh, under Trump with oil production. The last time I checked, the price of oil was $80 a barrel. So I'm not a great mathematician, but I can do this math. 80 uh, times 2 is 160. <laughs> we're losing $160 million a day, Jason, well, a day, because we're not producing oil. This is an economy that still runs on fossil fuels, and Republicans yep. better get religion on that and start screaming that from the mountaintop because... Yep. This whole push towards EV and everything else is not going to end well. But I digress for a moment because I want to talk about your appointment to the Federal Reserve. Um, yeah. But more importantly, I want to talk about what's happening to President Trump. They have effectively <laughs> indicted him for free speech, for defrauding uh, the voters because he gave his opinion. And they'll go after John Eastman for a legal opinion, all of this stuff. And it's bizarre to the point where we've criminalized metaphors and similes and analogies. But yet... You and I both lived through that. This did not start with Trump. It started with places like CNN, who made a career out of taking people's words out of context and distorting them for political purposes. Is that not right? Yeah, it is. And I remember when it first started, actually, with my good friend George Allen, who was the senator of Virginia, who, who used the term macaca one time. I don't yeah, even know. Right. And all of a sudden, the New York Washington Post put it on the front page every day for two months before the election and, uh, and elected a Democrat. And you got to watch so closely in this day of political correctness what you say. And, uh, you know, look, I believe what's happening to Donald Trump right now is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in the history of the United States. And, folks, I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an independent. I don't care if you like Donald Trump or don't like him. The idea that we have a sitting president, Jason, who is using the power of government and the Justice Department and the FBI to punish his political enemy, right. the man he's going to likely run against uh, for president, 
Never been what done. Third world countries do. It is this total is what third world countries. republics country. do. Not only that, the judge who's going to preside for it was would work for Obama for or lawyers for Obama. Exactly. I mean, this is and, nuts. And by the way, if, if they there's a big issue about where these courts these uh, will be yeah. adjudicated. If it's in Washington D.C., forget which voted ninety one percent for <laughs> Joe Biden. Do you think do you think there's any way in hell that Donald Trump could get a fair trial in Washington D.C.? We got to move. Steve Moore, always a pleasure. We'll do it again soon, my friend. Your call is coming up when we come back. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings education and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, welcome back once again, everybody. I am Jason Lewis, and for Pete Callender today, former WBT talk show host, member of Congress, and friend to Steve Moore. Now, Steve's an interesting fellow. Uh, he's one of the better economic minds in D.C. When I was in Congress and we passed the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, which simplified taxes, flattened the code, so you could just take the standard deduction instead of filing all of the uh, the the you know not the easy form but all of the extended itemized deductions, uh, and it's, it jump started economic growth, repatriated trillions. So by the time President Trump left office and the Tax Cut and Jobs Act was in effect, it not only added revenue by lowering rates. That's the big lie in the economic press these days, in the business media these days. Why well, Trump's tax cut cost the government? It raised revenue. And it always does. By the way, this is the essence of supply-side economics. And that is, if you're a hardware store owner and you just can't sell these screwdrivers, what's the first thing you do? Raise the price? Just like raising taxes? No, you cut it. You actually cut the price so you sell more and you get more revenue by doing more volume at a lower rate. It's no different with work. Work is a commodity like anything else. And if people aren't working, and if people aren't investing, you, you lower the price of work and investment by reducing taxes. You get more of it at lower rates. And the government, ironically, and this is not the reason to do it, I want to be clear about that, but a byproduct of this is the government collects more in revenue. And it's happened every time it's been tried. When Andrew Mellon and Calvin Coolidge did it in the 20s, revenues rose. When JFK did it in the 60s, revenues rose. Reagan in the 80s, revenues rose. When we cut taxes with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, and Steve Moore was working with the president, and I was in Congress, ta- revenues rose. And so we had an economy growing. And understand this if you get nothing out of this hour. Economic growth is the antidote to inflation. Uh, if, if you want to reduce inflation, the permanent way, you grow your way out of it. Now, again, I don't want to te- be too professorial here, but just bear with me. If, if you've got, if the economy is made up of 100 loaves of bread, and you've got $100 floating around in the economy, you're going to have a dollar 
for a loaf of bread has the price. $100 chasing 100 loaves, a dollar a loaf. All of a sudden, you double the production. You go from 100 loaves to 200 loaves. But the, the money supply stays constant. What's the price of bread going to do? It's going to drop. It's going to drop to 50 cents a loaf. So it's not just reining in the money supply, which you have to do. You also have to grow the economy. And Biden is doing the opposite with green mandates, with regulations, with threatened tax hikes, uh, with all of the nonsense that threatens capital and labor. There is no growth. In fact, employers can't find workers. With the, the massive expansion of the welfare state under COVID, as, as Steve was talking about, there's no incentive to work. In fact, post-pandemic, a lot of people just simply aren't going back. Hell with it. Not going to do it. So that's one of the reasons you're seeing prices go up. Lower production. And now gasoline in the Carolinas is what, hit 382? Well, there you have it. Uh, and and it, it, that's, that's why Steve Moore is such a good economist. And I've known Steve for, gosh, 25, 30 years. And he, he's, uh, he's a great guy. And he said something very, very interesting at the end of our interview. And that was simply this. Basically, I'll paraphrase. He asked or said, if Donald Trump, who will be arraigned today at 4 o'clock, if his trial is in Washington, D.C., he cannot possibly, cannot possibly win. Essentially, he couldn't get a fair trial in D.C. Now, this is demonstrably true, and I've got the evidence for that, and I'm going to share with you next segment. You will not believe, you will not believe the background of the judge who's set to hear this case. You will not believe it. But there's a larger question here that I want to throw out to you at 570-1110. That's 704-570-1110, the contact line here to talk with uh, Jason Lewis on the Pete Callender Show. And that is this. Like him or hate him, can Donald Trump get a fair trial anywhere? You have all of the media, the same ones that went after Jason Lewis and Steve Moore, distorting our words. Steve Moore said he didn't like women's basketball. They actually used that to torpedo his nomination to the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve. I kid you not. CNN and others dug up Steve Moore hates girls uh, hates women's basketball, therefore he's not qualified. They weren't talking about his views on the gold standard. They were talking about women's basketball. I don't like the WNBA so I can't serve on the Fed. That's what something the media have done. I use the term welfare plantation to describe what we've done to poor people, white, black, Hispanic, male, female. We put them on the welfare plantation, but CNN and others, oh, welfare plantation, Lewis must be, must be prejudiced using that term. Well, it was a term I got from Walter Williams and Tom Sowell, a couple of black economists, but be that as it may, they distorted that. They distort every Republican. So now Donald Trump has been indicted for using the words fight like hell. That somehow was instigating a riot. It's an assault on speech. But how did we get here? We got here thanks to CNN. To the, to the childish, juvenile little bloggers at K-File. We got here thanks to MSNBC and the Washington Post and New York Times, Vox, The Atlantic, BuzzFeed, especially those reprobates. 
That's how we got here. And these people are thugs. And you need to understand that. But can Donald Trump get a fair trial anywhere? Always a pleasure to talk with each and every one of you. So give us a call. Let us know if you think Donald Trump can get a fair trial in Washington or I would argue across the country because of the way the jury pool has been tainted by the mainstream media. The the mainstream media has tainted the entire country with a false narrative. That's how presidents get indicted for, for a campaign rally speech. They've indicted Trump for defrauding the United States by telling you he thought the election was rigged when they say it wasn't. So now the template is disagree with me and we throw you in jail. Now they can argue, well, no, 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 that's a lie. The, the, The election wasn't rigged. They may be right. They may be wrong. That's immaterial to the First Amendment. The First Amendment allows opinions. And if you think the whole damn system is rigged, you have the absolute God-given constitutional right to say it, whether you're right or wrong. That's what he's being indicted over. That is not only unconstitutional, it is the purview of petty potentates, dictators, thugs. As I said yesterday, but it gets worse. You're not going to believe this. You are not going to believe this story I'm about to tell you. I could hardly believe it. So I ran across the judge that is going to be handling this case that the president will appear in front of today at 4 o'clock. And just briefly, just briefly, I noticed that the judge used to work for liberal activist Democrat David Boyce of Clinton fame. Worked for... um, a law firm, Boyce Schiller. Then she volunteered for lawyers for Obama. And I believe that was in 2012. And in 2013, Obama appointed her as sitting as the extra judge on the D.C. circuit. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. The U.S. court for the District of Columbia... Uh, has their own judges, their own their own slate, but this particular woman, whose whose name is Tanya Chutkin, Chutkin, keeps getting all of the cases involving Trump. Now, why would this be? Well, I'll explain that in a moment. But when I saw that she worked for lawyers for Obama, so she's an activist Democrat, and now she's going to hold court over a Democrat trying to jail his opponent, Donald Trump, a Republican. Uh, Can you say conflict of interest? Can you say recusal? So just to show you how tainted the jury pool has become, I decided to type in the words in a search, a search engine, Um, Trump, what were the words exactly? I wanted to type in... Trump judge recusal. That's what I wrote in. Trump judge. uh, Trump judge must recuse is what I wrote. I just want to be accurate here. So I thought, oh, my goodness, this thing is hot news. Everybody's running with this. I'll bet I'll get a bunch of stories on this Judge Chudkin presiding over the latest Trump indictment. Not a one. Do you know what came up? 
not only on page one of my search, 10 stories, but also on page two. It was that Eileen Cannon of Florida must recuse herself over the weapons or the the, um, classified documents case. Not one news story about Judge Tanya Chutkin's background and whether she should recuse herself. I mean, not one. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Now, how did this particular Lawyers for Obama judge get on the D.C. District Court? Well, there's something called the Administrative Office of the United States Courts. They handle administrative matters for the D.C. bench. And they usually appoint a judge who is active on the D.C. District Court or unactive. It depends. A lot of the directors have been not an active judge, so their their caseload on the D.C. District Circuit is not affected if they're appointed to the to head up as director of the Administrative Office of the United States Court. But in 2013, there was a fellow appointed by the Obama administration who was an active judge on the D.C. District Court. So therefore, Obama, Obama says, I got to appoint an extra judge to the D.C. District Court to cover the workload that Judge Bates, his name, is going to be doing for the administrative office. This was a very odd scenario, and guess who the extra, quote, extra judge has been? Judge Tanya Chutkin, and she's gotten all the cases. Fusion, she, she actually had to recuse herself on two cases governing the Russian dossier and Fusion GPS because she worked for the law, for, law firm that was knee-deep into it. That was knee-deep into it. I'm telling you, this judge should recuse herself yesterday like she did for the Fusion GPS cases after it was brought up, but only after it was brought up. Uh, There is no way Donald Trump is going to get a fair hearing from lawyers for Obama judges. Not to mention her previous work where she basically admitted her bias by recusing herself from the Steele dossier fabrication by the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign. And yet, when I did the search engine, not one news story on this judge's background. If you want to talk about a rigged system in America... From the DOJ to the judge they give the case to, to persecute their opponents, you are witnessing it live and local, as we say. All right, let's let's do get to the calls next hour. We'll go right to the phones, first segment next hour. Stick around. I'm Jason Lewis in for Pete Callender on News Talk 1110 WBT.